What is up? What is going on, everybody? This week, we are talking about the movie that made everybody wish when they went to Hawaii, they ran into Mila Kunis. You may not have that much fun, but I bet Hawaii is still pretty great. We'll talk about it on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of The Threequel. As always, I'm one of your three co-hosts, Ethan Klein. Here with me, Mike Duranik and Brad Miller. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Doing great. We're recording on a Thursday, watching the NFL draft and talking movies. Can't get much better than that. Uh, yeah, I well, I'm not watching the NFL draft, as we were talking about before. Brad was really excited. His Jets had a couple of picks, and uh, my Bears... Uh, don't in the first round so uh, i'm doing great not worrying about the nfl draft but uh ready to talk some movies with you guys yes this week we are finishing up the month of april if you can believe it with i believe mike's pick for the month forgetting sarah marshall the 2008 comedy starring uh jason siegel Kristen bell uh, mila kunis as i said uh, and a whole host. There's there's a ton of people that pop up in this movie at different times. Um, so let's hop into it, guys. I'll ask you the question that I always ask you to kick off our show. And that is, what was your first experience with forgetting Sarah Marshall? Was it in the theaters in 2008? Did you catch it later on streaming or on TV? What did you bring into this rewatch for the show? Uh, I don't think mine's very exciting. Um, pretty sure I did not see it in the theater. Uh, probably just came across it on, uh, you know, like HBO or something, or maybe maybe rented it somewhere. But uh, pretty sure it was just a household view um, when I watched it for the first time. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I, I'm I'm pretty certain I didn't actually see it on the day it came out because uh, come to find out, it was released on my birthday as I was looking. Uh, this up this time uh, and i'm pretty sure i didn't see it on my birthday but i did definitely see it in the theaters back in 2008 um fairly quickly bought it after it came out and have watched it a number of times since so what i carried into this was um believing that it was one of my favorite comedies uh, of all time uh my first experience with this movie was as of this recording four days ago in my home I actually had missed this one um, from 2008. Uh, comedies, it, if there is, oddly enough, if, if there is kind of a blind spot uh, in my uh, movie, my personal you know, filmography, uh, it is a lot of comedies. Um, and I think it's because generally when I go to hit play on a comedy, if I'm going to watch, say, a bad action movie, right? I can watch almost any bad action movie and find so much joy in it. Uh, partially in preparation for next week, Mike, I did watch Executive Decision uh, because I knew no matter what, I would enjoy uh, that hour and 45. Um, comedies, on the other hand, though, it, it does seem like a scarier proposition to me uh, to hit play on a comedy because if you do comedy bad, there is no saving grace, and I do feel like I wasted a couple of hours. So there is just this long line, whether or not, and like I, you know, Mike, I know you've always had high praises for this. It's still, there's just something about comedies that's always been hard for me to hit play. So I knew how much people loved this, not just you, 
Um, it's always been lauded uh, as this great, you know, one of the all timers for this generation, at least. Um, and so that's what I knew about it coming into it. Uh, I am curious about the way you worded what you said, Mike, and we're going to get into that now. We're going to change things up a little bit um, because I think the Rotten Tomatoes game is so much fun. We are just going to shift. We are going to go for it right off the bat. If I am right, I believe it's the two of you going against each other for the Rotten Tomatoes game this week. I, th- yeah. I, I think that you're you're right on that, although I behind the, the, the camera a little bit, um, I did have to say we were sitting at Brad and I were sitting at a uh, a, a forum uh, and a presenter mentioned something and threw out just a random statistic. Uh, and this was at, uh, the Father's Matter forum, right, Brad? And um, I looked at Brad and very confidently just threw up three fingers. I had no idea. I, I can't even remember what his question was. How many uh, touchdowns Tim Brown had in high school? His team had in high school. It was wins, and it was four is what I did. I threw up four, just right, yeah. four. And mm-hmm. everybody around was talking, and it, sure enough, it was four. And Brad said, see, I mean, people think that we just make this stuff up, but sometimes we just get lucky. So, Well, in the in the best interest of seeing if Mike can continue uh, his prowess, you've been on a pretty good roll. He will. He's going to nail it right on the head. It's, it's fine. I understand. Um, so, Mike, since you are the defending champion, you do have – what I always thought was a disadvantage of going first, but it's not when you're always right. Uh, what is the sitting Rotten Tomato score for forgetting Sarah Martin? Man, if you uh, if you guys could reverse jinx me anymore right now, I don't know how you'd do it. So here's the thing. I, I Like I said, I came into this believing that it was one of my favorite comedies of all time. However, if there's anything that the 60, I think this is officially our 64th movie that we have done and, and next week will be, you know, 65. If there's anything that these movies have taught me in doing this game with you guys, it's that comedies tend to be not as highly rated as I think they should be. And so for that reason, my gut instinct would be to say, if I were rating this, I would put it solidly in the nineties. However, I'm going to give it a comedy penalty and go at an 83 instead of about a 93. So 83 is my guess. What you got, Brad? Uh, I think I'm pretty solidly going to go below that. Um, I was pretty confident that this uh, um, would be around that number, but uh, maybe a little bit below. I'm guessing from Ethan's reaction, I already nailed it on the on the nose with 83. I'm going to go 82. <laughs> Um, and just hear that my directly. I don't know. There's a glare on my phone. I'm trying to show you guys over the zoom that Mike did hit it directly on the head. It's at 83. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Tim Brown for, we need to, we need to play this game under oath with Mike because I'm getting (laughs) to the point where I think he's cheating. Oh, well, we'll see if you can catch me next, next week, Ethan. The only the only way I know you're not, that I, I believe that you're not cheating is because you said that you actually own this. Um, I thought Brad was going to own up about some shit because I watched it on Peacock. So I knew what the answer was prior to pulling it up because Peacock always ruins that for me. Brad, I don't know if that's how you watched it or you found a way to avoid that portion of that streaming service. But it's always the second I hit play, I know the answer uh, to that week if it's streaming on Peacock. Uh, no, I did not see it on Peacock. Um, I guess I didn't realize it was on there. I think I watched it on Hulu and had to watch it with a 
commercials and uh i think they edited out the uh all the f-bombs and put in words that might have sounded similar so it was not nearly as funny as it could have been oh did they also then edit out jason seagal's penis um because that was quite the wake-up call for me uh when i uh, hit play on this monday morning yeah i did not i did not see his penis uh thank the lord for uh yeah tbs and commercials editing well so let's have a conversation then guys um i just we're gonna kind of start doing it this way I just want to simply ask you this question. We can go from here. 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is Rotten Tomatoes correct? Is that the score that it should be? And for reference, the fan score is a little bit lower at 76%. Um, so we can say then, too, are, are the fans right? Are the critics right? Um, I, I'll kick us off. I'll say for myself, I think that the fans are closer um, and I would actually probably even have this a little bit lower than the fans. I'd probably be sitting for me personally, seeing this the first time here in 2022, I would have had this thing more in the, the, the mid sixties. I, I think I still would have it fresh, but I would not have it nearly as high as they do. Um, we talk box office around this time too, usually on the show, $30 million budget made 105 million. So this thing was a smash success. Um, but I have to say that, no, I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is correct. I can get in a little bit why here in a little bit, but I am curious, guys, how would you answer that question? Is Rotten Tomatoes correct? Uh, for me, I would probably be fairly close to that. I would have, you know, on my own rating, probably 78, 79, somewhere in there. So I don't think uh, 83 is off by much at all. Um, I think it's got some very high highs and some very low lows. Um it's uh, very funny at times and then just kind of drug on in some in some spots. So I, I think for me, it uh, yeah, I think high 70s, low 80s is a pretty accurate score. Well, and as I already tipped, uh, you know, in the game, I think that I would go a little bit higher, probably in the upper 80s, lower 90s. Um, I did really like it. Uh, it. It'll it'll end up way higher on my list than it, it does for both of you guys. Um, and really the winner for me in that was as I rewatched it, I just found myself not continuously through it, but steady at different points through the movie, just having deep belly laughs at something um, that went on with the movie. And so I think it was its ability to continue coming back to different things and, and making me laugh that when I'm looking for a comedy, I'm not looking for something that's deep in thought. Uh, I'm looking for something that is accessible and makes me chuckle. And, um, you know, and so at the end of the day, uh, it delivered on that. But I will say, you know, is Rotten Tomatoes correct or not? As we've talked about, the real challenge is how do you grade this movie on the same scale uh, that you do a movie like Goodwill Hunting um, or, or a movie like Zodiac or any of these other ones that we've watched when they are drastically different movies and so i think perhaps the best way for me to say it is maybe 83 is fair because i would put it in the low 90s as a comedy but if i had to stack it up on the exact same scale with all these other movies that are trying to do different things um maybe not so maybe a, a upper 70s to lower 80s is more accurate so i i yeah i think for me and I, i'm just judging it specifically as a comedy when i say that um 
I don't know. I, I, there was like a couple moments that I distinctly remember getting the big laugh out loud moments. And there was just something that just didn't click with me from the beginning. And this may be blasphemous uh, to hear from you guys. I, you know, but not that I've ever shied away from saying something like that before. I think after watching this, I just don't know if Jason Siegel, if I buy him as a lead, I, and I am, I'm a diehard how I met your mother fan. I loved that show so much. Uh, that's one of the shows I remember watching. You know, I, I can definitively say that, you know, from the pilot to the finale, I was there every week, almost every week, you know, for 10 years watching that show. That thing was ingrained in me. I grew up with that, loved it, loved his character on it, but he was a great side character and he was a very different character in that movie uh, or in that show, rather. He, you know, he is happy-go-lucky and fun and cartoonish and things like that and there's little glimmers of that in this but just him as the kind of like down on his luck guy I don't it just it wasn't working for me at the beginning and it took me a little while to get into the movie and I'm curious what you guys think about his portrayal in that um having more experience with this film because I go into it trying to see Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother and I got something very different and it threw me off uh yeah i guess to answer some of that i wish i hadn't seen an edited version because i think my number would be higher if it was i think this movie as a hard r makes it even better um the the scenes the things that made me laugh were some of the raunchiest things that weren't edited out um and i think that that is for this movie um as far as uh jason uh siegel goes um i would argue that he wasn't really the lead in this like i Yes, he had the most on-screen time, but he wasn't the, um, I don't know, the catalyst for most of the stuff, which I would say Mila Kunis was probably more of the star of this to me because she shined the brightest in those scenes and she was the thing that really pushed um, his ideas of, you know, moving past his girlfriend there. And also too, like, you know, I think the the higher, higher spots in this film that got me laughing the most were when you had Russell Brand, when you had, uh, Mila Kunis, when you had, um, um, what's the heavy set guy's name with the curly hair, uh, Jonah Hill, uh, Paul Rudd, you know, like, there were a lot of actors and actresses in this film that uh, kind of made it feel like more of just an ensemble cast and not necessarily a lead in all his buddies. And I think that's okay because I think you're right. Jason Siegel's not a lead. He is a, a good actor in that type of role where he's playing off of other people. And I, I think that um, um, that's, that's fine to me. I, I enjoyed him in this role and I think that uh uh, having those stars like Kunis and Brand um, really come in and shine um, helped him. Yeah, I think that Brad, your your argument there is a hundred percent the correct one. He's the lead in this movie by the basis of the fact that he's the leading man. He's the person on the poster. He, he I think he wrote it. Is that is that correct, Ethan? I will um, that up. Yeah, I, I believe he did, or at least co-wrote it, but. The reason that he is perfect for this is because he is a lead that doesn't draw things to him. He ha doesn't have that lead gravity to him. And you don't want him to in a movie like this because routinely he allows other people to steal the scenes that he's in with them. 
And that's what makes this so effective. So I, you know, he is the de facto lead, but I agree, Brad, this is an ensemble performance. And you, I mean, you could go deeper down even than, than all of the actors and actresses that you named um, to, to people who have the ability to steal scenes um, you know, the, the bartender, the guys who are, you know, when he's roasting the pig, uh, the, the newlywed couple. And so by him being a lead that doesn't draw the gravity to him every time he's on the screen, it allows him to move in and out of all of these people's stories, highlight them and allows them to shine um, without detracting from that. And so that that would be my argument for him. Uh, I think he was functional in this in the same way that he was in How I Met Your Mother the difference being in that he was not put forward as the lead. He was put forward as a part of an ensemble where he here he was put forward as the lead. Um, but I think functionally it, it worked the same way. Yeah. So I think then I guess at the end of the day, that's what I walk away from this movie with. I really, really enjoyed those stories that he was walking in and out of. Uh, Bill Hader, I thought, was hilarious. The newlyweds were hilarious. The bartender, uh, even Jonah Hill's character. But I didn't really enjoy the story of forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, you know, I didn't really care about that. Like Kristen Bell's character, the the dinner scene that played up, that was played up really big, that led into the battling sex scenes. That That stuff never clicked for me. It was everybody else in the movie that clicked for me that was where I got my biggest laughs was, was everybody else. Um, so, you know, we, and Mike, you were right. Uh, Jason Siegel did write this. Um, so I'll ask then just simply, is this the best of Jason Siegel? Because I'll always say it's how I met your mother. I can't go anywhere else with it. I don't know if you guys are more versed in his filmography. Um, you know, things like the, I think it's, uh, him and Paul Rudd have a movie. They're their best friends or he's his best man or something like that. The five-year engagement. So he's been in things like this. And I think they are all from the same director uh, that we're not going to get into because he's not that particularly famous to begin with. But wh- wh- where are you guys at with just simply the best Jason Siegel? So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a bigger fan of how I met your mother. So I would, I would say that that's, you know, the thing that I'm going to remember him for. However, one thing that I think is underrated about this film and that I'll give him credit for since I just found out now that he wrote it is there were times where I'm like, man, this is really dragging on and it's uncomfortable and it's gross and slimy. And like, why can't, you know, like, why can't these two people just go to different sides of this island and enjoy their vacation? And I think that part of it is it's genius how he wrote it because a situation like this shouldn't feel uh, good or, you know, smooth or anything like it. I think it should feel kind of glitchy and thrown together and, and gross and depressing and like all these things all at once. Like, you know, he's stumbling through an experience that he has no idea how to get through. And I think the fact that it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable and, and all that, actually adds to the genius of this and it was underrated for me as I was watching it. So I, I think as, as far as his skills go and talent goes, I think he's, he's a great writer. I think he, we nailed it with the ensemble stuff. Um, but, uh, um, 
yeah, I mean, if you gave me a choice, I'm I'm for sure taking How I Met Your Mother over this when it comes to to him. A shout out to him though in the um, winning time, you know, the HBO Lakers thing. He's uh, Paul Westhead, one of the coaches, and uh, I think he does really well with that role too. So so good job. Uh, a lot of range as an actor for sure. Brad, before we move on, I think it's important that we recognize that I think we are now legally and contractually obligated to apologize to Jerry West every time we mention winning time. Um, <laughs> so we're sorry, Jerry. Um, what? Now, now we can move I, on. I don't understand your your reference. What am I missing there? Oh, you didn't see? He, I think he's suing HBO for defamation and wanting a oh. retraction of his character. <laughs> So, yeah, I just kind of watched that thinking like there's no way this is uh, much like how Jerry West would have been in real life. I mean, I watched it and was like, eh, you never know. Right. Um, so to answer your question, Ethan, um, unquestionably for me, I think when I think of, of Jason Siegel, I think of how I met your mother. Um, but when I think of him standing separate from that show, then this is where my mind goes. The only other one that I'm particularly familiar with where he had a, a substantial part is the um, Paul Rudd one that you mentioned, uh, which I think is entitled, I love you, man. Yeah. Um, but I, I will also just kind of circle back one, one last time to your point of like um, that you didn't find a whole lot of, uh, of attraction to the forgetting Sarah Marshall part of this and that it was the other parts you enjoyed. And I think that that's actually the point. And I think that that is the brilliance in how he wrote this is Here's this guy, right? He goes to Hawaii. He has all these incredible experiences with, I mean, all of these different people, right? And yet he is so quick to almost fall back into this one relationship. Um, and it is that draw of the relationship, even when you know it's not good for you, even when you know that it should end, even, you know, in those situations that can almost make you lose everything worthwhile that you've discovered because you're blind to what you could discover because of the relationship. And so I, I do think that's kind of the point is that nobody in their right mind is going to watch this movie going like, you know, what was the best was those interactions between, um, you know, Jason Siegel and, and Kristen Bell. Quite the opposite. Yeah. Those are those entire scenes are in there to make you feel uncomfortable, to make you be like, what the heck are you doing? Um, but that's, I think that's, you know, art trying to imitate life there of, how many times people have been in relationships or craved for a relationship that ended and you're going back and your friends are like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, and so I think that that was actually uh, a winning part of the way he wrote it uh, from my perspective. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I haven't disagreed with anything you guys have said. I think, I guess just for me going into the movie, it ended up being something that I was not prepared for. And maybe later on I'd find more of an appreciation for that. I just, you guys know this. I've said it plenty of times. I'm a sucker for romantic comedies, romantic films. And what I enjoyed most about this movie wasn't that part. And then by the end of it, when him and Mila Kunis ended up together, it wasn't this like triumphant ending uh, that I can find in, you know, something as terrible as Ghost of Girlfriends Past. Right. Like I, <laughs> if, if you give me that, I'll buy into it. Him and Mila Kunis's relationship was OK. Like, get, get me back. Uh, to the other things and that is not to say that it's a problem with either one of them she's absolutely a star um, she's been doing this for a long time and this as far as I have memory of it this is the movie that put her the, the um, on the big screen of course she was in that 70s show but in terms of being in movies uh, this is what I remember Mila Kunis really uh, 
staking a claim on that side of the industry. Um, but that's how much I remember that. Um, for you guys on the spot, favorite character in this movie? Because we've talked so much about the ensemble. If you had to pick one, who is your favorite? Uh, I Probably Russell Brand, just for some of the one-liners and things. Um, if I really thought about it, I might have a different answer. But to give a, a quicker response, I would say it was probably him. Yeah, the thing that just came to my mind was Paul Rudd. I, I just there's something about Paul Rudd. I just love that guy. And uh, anytime that I see him in a movie, he big part, little part, he steals the especially these comedies for me. And um, yeah, there was something about Kunu in this that just made me laugh and delivered yet again this time. So Paul Rudd, you've got a gift, my friend. Yeah, I've got to go with Paul Rudd as well. Um, he. Uh, stole it for me. Second place would probably be the husband of the newlywed couple. Um, just for how Jack, scared Jack he is McBriar. To, yeah, just for how scared he is to be alone with his wife. Um, for for the beginning parts of this movie, uh, Paul Rudd does win it. Um, let's shift gears, guys. We're talking about our favorite parts of this movie, favorite character. Let's talk about favorite line, favorite scene. Uh, let's go favorite scene. And as we do with most comedies, we'll save favorite line for the end. Uh, gentlemen, what was your favorite scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Uh, I think for me, um, a lot of the scenes kind of run together. So the one that really stood out and made me laugh and was entertaining was the uh, when when they did the, the rock opera. Um, and you got to see that, you know, see them in all their glory, him and Bill Hader doing their thing with the with the puppets and the singing like it was just fun and entertaining and different. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, for me, uh, it was it was a scene with Paul Rudd. And it is one part of this movie that I reference uh, in in work and in business very frequently. And so when he's trying to learn how to surf the first time and he's like, you know, trying too hard, do less, do less. <laughs> do less. And then eventually Jason Siegel's just laying there and he goes, you got to do more than that. And there's just something about that scene and the way he's trying to teach him to surf and all those interactions that um, that one always delivers for me. And it is probably the one scene in this movie that uh, floods my mind the most at random times. And I, I will routinely reference it, you know, at work or think, oh, you, you got to do less. Do, you got to do more than that. Yeah, you you took mine. Um, as usually, I, I spoil your guys. That was my favorite too. Um, the the next closest thing for me, um, it, it's the just the bar top conversations um, that he has throughout the movie with the bartender. Sometimes Paul Rudd is there. Sometimes Jack McBriar's there. Um, and just again, because that was the parts of the movie I enjoyed the most. Right, having the the people come in and out of his story as he goes into theirs. Um, and just their conversations. And I guess, I mean, this is the, you know, when I, I was 12 or 13, when this movie, came, I would have still been 12 when this movie came out. So what would have been the funniest line then still came through in uh 26 year old Ethan now. So I'll just say my favorite line um, because it was the one that made me laugh the most uh, as immature and raunchy as it is. And it's, I believe it's Jack McBriar's wife walks away and drunken Paul Rudd uh, messes up 
the classic uh, line and says, I wonder if the carpet matches the pubes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was not expecting it. I was not prepared for it. It's a beautiful piece of humor, right? Like we all know what he was about to say or what we thought he was about to say. And the fact that they just went with the raunchiest thing they could have took me off guard, even in an R-rated comedy. That, all credit to Jason Siegel. It's a beautiful piece of writing. Honestly, all credit probably to Paul Rudd, too, because that could have easily just been uh, off the cuff, knowing his abilities. Whoever came up with it, that was the hardest I laughed in this whole movie, so it was my favorite line. Um, I, I have one that stood out, but one I want to give an honorable mention to, and I, I doubt that either of them are, are Mike's, just from what I know about him. So uh, hopefully I don't steal it by mentioning two, but my favorite line was... Um, it was subtle and it was actually kind of hard to hear, but uh, they're leaving the bar and Jack McBriar walks away and you just hear him say off to find the mythical clitoris. <laughs> and uh, like, if you're not paying attention, you can easily miss it. And that one, that one got me um, second um, when uh, they're on the stage and Russell Brand starts doing his little dance and Jonah Hill goes, Oh, this just went from six to midnight. And uh, like just those couple little subtle lines and the one you mentioned ethan you know you just throw in there again just great writing by jason siegel there so okay um unannounced unplanned you've got to pick one better um burn song in the middle of a movie out of nowhere inside of you or scotty doesn't know (laughs) scotty doesn't know yeah, I'm going with that one too. So, oh my goodness, where to go with the lines with this? And again, it's one of the reasons I love this movie is that there are a lot of good one-liners. I mean, you guys just said half of uh, the script in between the two of you for Jack McBriar the entire movie, and yet you still didn't land on him questioning God's wisdom as a city planner putting a <laughs> playground next to a, yeah. a sanitary sewage system. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's not my favorite line, but I've got to throw an honorable mention too. Um, I, for my for my favorite line, I really in just a, a chance to try to get Ethan to get this thing from up in sixties up towards midnight, right? Um, I'm going to go with I want Ethan. I want you to close your eyes right now, and I want you to imagine Jeremy Renner serenading you. I'm in a happy place. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. And if I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord, I will slay him. He take you from me, but I swear I won't let it be so. Blood will run down his face when he is decapitated. I do think just the writing of the Dracula <laughs> musical is is freaking phenomenal, and it adds just a, a beautiful um, kind of uh, side plot to this entire thing. And the way they bring it back around to culminating with them actually doing the thing with the puppets at the end, um, it's a nice little side quest to it. So my favorite line, because much like the guy in the bar, when he says, if I see Ben Helsing, I swear to the Lord, I will slay him. And he's laughing there. That's how I laugh every time uh, when he's up there performing it on stage. So there you go. I think we we also, I, I couldn't pick it as a favorite line because it's completely incoherent, but you can kind of get the gist of what he's saying. But when 
he's on the phone with Bill Hader as he's following uh, Russell Brand and Kristen Bell right when he first gets there. And he starts talking to him and puts the phone down. And in the background, you can just he'll hear Bill Hader like destroying his apartment because he's so pissed at him. Uh, that that had me going pretty well because we've all been there. We've all been there as the friend of like, dude, you just stop. Please stop. Don't don't please. Cut. You know, so uh, that was uh, quite entertaining. But that will do it. That was our favorite lines and favorite scenes from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's our conversation about forgetting Sarah Marshall as we wrap up the month of April uh, and we go into the month of May. We're going to be getting into the summer blockbusters uh, starting next month, and I think we're kicking it off with a pretty fantastic choice. It is my pick for the month of May. Next week, it is Backdraft, uh, 90s action movie, Kurt Russell, Billy Baldwin. Uh, let's start the summer off on the right foot with backdraft that's next week this week again forgetting sarah marshall learn that guys for mike for brad i'm ethan and we'll see you next time